have been able to make it through the processional without having a tear in my eye if I hadn't looked at Paulette Venuti over there. Oh my goodness. And then the fathers. This is the easy walk. How precious is that? Girls, I have a word for you this morning. I'd like to share a devotional thought with you. In the book of Esther, chapter 4, in verses 12 through 14, we read this. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back an answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father, you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Father, I pray over these next few moments that you would bless your word and apply it as you desire within all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a story in the Bible, a book in the Bible, that of all of the books that have ever been written, this one might perhaps be the greatest movie if it was ever made. We find it in the book of Esther. And for those of you that may be a little unfamiliar with it, there's a young lady who is orphaned. Her mom and dad die, and she is sent to live with a cousin whose name is Mordecai. In fact, the Bible tells us that her original name was Hadassah, and her nickname was Esther. I've noticed today I haven't heard too many girls whose names are Hadassah, but they like the nickname. As she was growing up, she was very much loved by her cousin and his family, and he began to raise her, and it was obvious that she was quite a beautiful girl. In the kingdom at the time, there was also a king whose name was Xerxes. He had a wife by the name of Vashti. It was the queen. He had had a great party, and he was so impressed with Vashti and her beauty that after this party, when uh, all of his friends, they called them the noblemen, were there, he had sent word that he wanted Vashti to come and to wear her crown and all her jewels to show off to everybody. And when he sent word to her, she said no. That was unheard of at the time. Queens did not disobey when the king asked them to come. And the king was a little flustered and he didn't know what he should do, so he called all of his wise men together and he said, what should I do here? And they said, listen, king, if you let her get away with this, it will have ramifications to the whole country. In fact, all of our wives will then, when we call upon them, say no, because Queen Vashti said no. So you've got to do something about this. And so after they discussed it a bit, they decided that what they would do would take away her crown, banish her from the castle. And so it would be a symbol to everybody that when the king gave a command that it was to be obeyed. Short time later, he discovered... He misses having a queen. And so a new search went out. The wise men of the land says, why don't you have a beauty contest? We'll go and get every beautiful young lady in the whole country. We'll bring them here and we'll have them kind of march by you and you can choose a new queen that way. And so that's exactly what happened. They begin to go out into all of the land that this king ruled and begin to go into all the villages and finding all the, young, the lovely young ladies that were pure and brought them to a place where they were to be prepared so that they could go before the king. Now, I know because I went downstairs when you guys were practicing this and I saw all the makeup and I saw massive amounts of jewelry, which I understand came from like one person. <laughs> and I saw you practicing what it might have been like for the year that Esther had to prepare herself for the king. 
And we know that at the end of that year, the Bible tells us that each girl had one day that they would come before the king. And if he was to choose them, it would be fine. If not, he would send them back. And when Esther, after her year of preparation, had given herself to the care of those that were going to give her, walked before the king, the Bible tells us he was struck with her beauty and he selected her to be his queen. The one thing that he didn't know about was that she was a Jew. He also didn't know much about her cousin, Mordecai. And as she moved into the castle, Mordecai moved and began to live outside the gates. And he would begin to hear things there. And he had little secret agents that would pass messages to her when she was in the castle. And back and forth it would go. And he overheard some things that were very important. And he began to tell her about it. And one of the things that he overheard was that there was a bad guy in the story by the name of Haman. Haman hated the Jews. He hated Mordecai the most because... The king really elevated Haman. He was one of his best friends. And whenever Haman would go around the land, everybody out there would almost treat him like he was the king. They would bow down to him. And Haman was really beginning to feel good about himself. But old Mordecai, the cousin of Esther, would never, would never respect him and bow down to him. And it made him so angry, he decided he wanted all of the Jews destroyed. And as we begin to get to this passage of Scripture where the chapter is that we have, Mordecai is beginning to send messages to Esther talking to her and helping her make some decisions about her life and what would happen that may affect the people of the group that she came from. And I observed over this passage of four things that I would like to share with you young ladies in particular this morning and with the congregation as a whole as it relates to observations about choices because I know that you have made some and you have many choices yet ahead of you. And for those of you that are interested, there's a little outline in the bulletin today about this. Esther found herself in a position of great influence. She had great responsibility, and Mordecai, her cousin, knew this. She both had power and privilege, which gave her some huge responsibilities. The fact of the matter is that, ladies, today you are here because of the results of the decisions that you have made. You worked hard yesterday and over the past few years to get to this point where your dads did not mess up your hair by putting on your crown. And frankly, we were a little bit worried about that because your dads are not really accustomed to putting crowns on your head. You've worked hard to get to the point where your mothers could honor you by putting a sash on you that says honor, which represents today that you are our honorees. You've done some, some things. You've made choices that have allowed you to achieve this level in your life by some of the decisions that you have made. God could have programmed you like computers. He could have made each of us in such a way that we automatically responded and did the right things. But He decided to give each of us free will, which frankly was a little bit of a risky business on His part. Because the capacity to choose also gives each of us the capacity to choose wrongly. And probably every one of us have had decisions that we have made in our life that as we look back on those, if we had it to do over again, knowing what we know now, we would choose differently. But ladies, today you stand here as on the threshold of beginning to enter into your adolescent years and young adult years, and you have a lot of choices to make that will determine what happens within your life. And we pray that out of your own free will, you will choose wisely. Ultimately, we are all responsible for the choices we make. I know a lot of people who didn't take responsibility for their choices. I know a lot of people who 
stand as adults today and blame things on their parents. It was their fault. They should have chose cloth diapers over huggies. It ruined me for life. All kinds of people blaming decisions on others. But I ask you today to be wise in your decisions and take responsibility for them. It's the choices that we make because you have the power and the privilege of choice. When Mordecai heard of Esther's dilemma, he sent a messenger into her. And in it, he said in verse 13, just because you live in the king's palace, don't think that out of all of the Jewish people that you alone will escape. In other words, Esther, you have a choice to make. And whether you realize it or not, you won't escape the consequences of the choice. You're responsible for the outcome either way. And even though she was a queen, Mordecai was filling her in on her responsibilities. And ladies, today I want you to know something. The days will be here soon when you will be making decisions as to the direction of your life. It will be your responsibility. There are people that have invested in you to get you to this point of your life. To help you make decisions that will honor God in your life. And help you make wise decisions that will allow you to affect your destiny as it relates to the Lord. But it will be your choice. Nobody will be able to choose for you. That responsibility will be yours. The second observation I want to make about choices is the sooner you make the right choice, the better. You know, the first response that most of us have when we are faced with crucial decisions is to wait. We procrastinate. We prefer not to make hard decisions. We back off. We bail out. We beat around the bush. Anything but face the decisions that we have to make. I've often asked myself, why do I delay at the point of decision? And I've come to the conclusion that the reason that most of us delay is because we're afraid of the consequences one way or the other. Indecision is a mark of a fearful mind. You say, fear of what? Number one, you will face the fear of rejection for some of the decisions that you will have to make especially as it relates to how you will live out your testimony before your friends. Because none of us don't like being liked. And there will be times in your life as you grow over these next few years that you will be forced into times where you will have to make a decision. Will I do what is right? Will I live for the Lord? Or will I sacrifice my integrity and go with the crowd? And you are going to be afraid from time to time of, if I make the right decision, what's it going to cost me? Along with this group of people, let me tell you today, it's easier to pay the cost of making the right decision than it is of paying the penalty of making the wrong ones. It's always easier to make the right decision. And the sooner you make the right choice, the better. You are here today because people have invested in your life. We were looking at the pictures, and by the way, you were all adorable babies. We saw the pictures of your growing up years and even the ministry that you've been involved with and all of the different ladies and, and that have been involved in, in helping you come to where you are today. They have built in you a foundation. What you build on that foundation is going to be up to you. They have helped you come to a point where you can make decisions that will honor the Lord. And I want to give you four things that you can help you as you begin to make decisions. Number one, the first stage of decision making is the fact stage. This is where you gather all the information available to you. Find out what you need to know, what you already know and what you don't know. Proverbs 18:13 says, "He who answers before listening, that is his folly and shame." In other words, let me put this into a language you can understand. 
What a shame how stupid it is to decide something before you know the facts. Be fact finders. Learn the facts before you make decisions. The second stage of wise decision making is the feedback stage. This is where you ask God and you ask people around you what they think. They should be people that you trust and should be people that have some knowledge and wisdom in the area. I want to tell you something. You three are blessed to have mothers and fathers that know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You are blessed. And I know that there are going to be times of your life when you don't think they know anything. Don't look at each other like that. A wise person will recognize very quickly mom and dad know a whole lot more than you think they do. And I can tell you something. There's not a person in this room that loves you more than your mom and dad. That will advise you in ways that won't take advantage of you. A wise decision process will involve speaking to those who have a little more experience in life and asking them what they think. It will be a benefit to you. I can also tell you that as you grow up and you become mothers, your mom is going to be the smartest woman you ever met. I don't know when that change takes place, but it does. The third stage of successful decision-making is the focus stage. This is where you focus in on the negatives and the positives. And for those of us that are list people, I like to make lists of both of them. So I can see, well, this is what looks good. This is what looks bad. Mordecai pretty much did this for Esther. He told her, Esther, honey, there's a risk of dying either way. If you do nothing, you could die. If you do something, you may die. That's the risk that you take. But if you don't do anything, I can tell you it would be worse for you than making a decision. And the last stage of decision-making is the forward stage. This is where you've asked all the questions. You've evaluated all the evidence. You've weighed the pros and cons. You've asked those that are wiser than you and love you for their advice. And now it's time to take the plunge. Make a decision. When you've sought the Lord with all of your heart, sometimes you're going to have to lean on His understanding in things that may not make sense to you. But He will lead you and guide you. The next observation about choices is to not to choose is to lose your choice. We need to realize that the window of opportunity won't remain open indefinitely. Listen to what Mordecai says next to Esther. He says, if you keep quiet at this time, someone else will help and save the Jewish people, but you and your father's family will die. One of the things that I love about this verse is that it indicates to every one of us that none of us are indispensable. We might all think that everything rides on our shoulders. As pastor of this church, I like to think that I play some role in it, but I realize that if I mess up, somebody else will step in here and the church will move on because this is God's church, not man's church. There are some of you that are within your jobs. You think everything rides and falls on your shoulders. I want you to know something. You'd be surprised how quickly you can be replaced. Even as it relates to ministries and things of that nature, none of us are indispensable. And if we choose to make choices, sometimes choices will be made for us. So when you begin to think that you're pretty important, it's time to stop and recognize that the Lord can do anything with anybody. But he told Esther, you're in a position where you can do something. If you don't, somebody else may. But this is your choice right now. And he says, Esther, God wants to use you. But if you decide to keep quiet, he'll find somebody else who will speak up. Not to choose, young ladies, is to lose your ability to have a choice. And lastly, the fourth observation I see in this passage about decisions. The chosen of God are those who have chosen Him. 
Someone once said, great people are ordinary people who make extraordinary decisions. By that standard, Esther is a great person. Listen to the last sentence of her cousin's message to her. It's at the end of verse 14. He says, and who knows, you may have been chosen queen for just such a time as this. As I look at this book and think of what it might look like as a movie, I can begin to see that Mordecai is beginning to see all of the pieces of God's plan in his providential puzzle that's coming together here. He's now beginning to realize the reason that she was orphaned at a young age, because I'm sure that growing up, she probably thought, God, why is it that I'm an orphan? Why are my mom and dad not here? Why do I have to live with my cousin? I'm sure there were a number of questions like that as she was growing up. I'm sure she wondered, why is it that Mordecai, of all of my cousins, was chosen to raise me? Why is it that he is such a a person that sits at the gate and hears things? And why is it that he's been brought in for things like this? And she could have asked all those questions. And suddenly, as she gets to this young adult stage, all the pieces are falling together. And her cousin says to her, Esther, God has chosen you for just such a time as this. Make the right choice and fulfill God's plan for your life. Girls... Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? I do too. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced that there's coming a day when we will sit here and we will remember this morning as we watch the achievements of your life spelled out in beautiful colors before all of us. I believe there's coming a day when you will look back at this ceremony and realize it was merely a springboard for the decisions that you have coming in the future. I can picture mom and dad gleaming with pride as you continue to live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's got a plan for you that includes far more than just being an honor star. This is the start. But the decisions for those choices are in your hands. So learn from Esther and choose wisely. It might just be that for such a time as this, God has chosen you to wear the crowns of honor so that he can use you in the future.